Well, good morning, Woodland Church. How are we doing? What a beautiful weekend, wasn't it? My goodness, what a beautiful morning we have. Uh, awesome to worship alongside each and every one of you. Uh, for those watching online, I want to say welcome home to you as well. Boy, we would love to have you one day, wouldn't we, church? We sure would love to meet you one day, and come on out. We have several people, a lot of people that view us online, and uh, we don't have much space here, but we'll throw some folding chairs up for you. I can promise you that. It would be awesome to have you. Um, I want to reiterate a couple of things that Hannah said. Uh, number one, baptisms on the 24th. If that's something uh, you're even curious about, she said the best way to do it is by a Connect card, and I'd agree, and by coming and talking to me about that, and I would agree. That would be a wonderful thing. We'd love to answer any questions. Let me bring to the forefront as well, uh, back on our TV and up here, it's going to come our calendar. If you're wondering kind of what's happening in the life of our church, uh, look no further than this calendar and this little handout. We've printed them off so that you can take them home. Uh, you'll see at the top here, this past Saturday, we had a wonderful men's breakfast. Just a wonderful time. Yeah. 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 We got full, got full of bacon and got full of the Word of God. And that's an awesome time to us. Um, we, uh, we're going to have another one August 6th. That'll be a great time. All men in here, love to invite you to that. Boy, did we have a great time. Uh, you'll see on the calendar, looks like we have a young adults gathering happening. If you're a young adult here, boy, join the community there. They have a ton of fun. Uh, 6.30 this Wednesday. Friday evening, if you're a parent in the room, join the parent group happening this Friday, 6 p.m. They're going through a book, uh, Giant Killers, Giant Slayers, something like that. One, wonderful, wonderful book. Um, Thursday evening, July 21st, this is for couples, singles. It's just a co-ed uh, group. I heard through the grapevine uh, this morning, word travels fast around this church. I heard this morning that that Thursday evening, July 21st, they're going to have a big adult scavenger hunt. If you're into scavenger hunts, look no further than July 21st, Thursday evening. And then uh, this Saturday and every Saturday, if you love the morning weather um, at the uh, Marshall High School track, they've graciously given us keys uh, to their track and have allowed us to use it uh, for prayer walking every Saturday morning. Great blessing to us in this church, and I'd invite you out there 8 a.m. Look no further. Uh, my encouragement to you is don't go through this summer without meeting some wonderful people here within this church community. God has, has blessed us with such an incredible community here. Uh, this is the best way. Those are the best way to meet people in this church. So sign up for one of those, email the people, and, uh, and enjoy your time. We're going to end our series uh, on, uh, uh, on relationships this morning. Let me tease out uh, next weekend what you and I are going to talk about next weekend. Um, I'm going to preach a message next Sunday that I have entitled, God Would Never Give You More Than You Can Handle. True or false? Well, we're going to talk about it next weekend. God would never give you more than you can handle. We're going to see if that's true or false next weekend. I want to invite you to that. We have a couple weeks before we start a new series, and I'm going to take advantage of that weekend to preach a message I've been wanting to preach for a little while now. So let's go to the Lord in prayer, shall we? Um, and then we're going to end this series. Whatever you brought into church today, whoever you are and whatever walk of life you, you came into, I hope you know you walked into the room. Uh, uh, and in this room is the presence of a living God. And I believe he wants to speak to you now and encounter you now. Lord, we come to you this morning. 
I think first and foremost, we owe you a great deal of thanks, and that doesn't even do it. We thank you for the new mercy and the new grace that woke us up this morning, the breath in our lungs to come into church and worship you. Father, we as a church believe in the truth and the authority of your word. It is the one truth and the one, and the one authority upon which we should stand. And this morning, we do just that. We stand upon your word. Father, for me as your child and as your servant, I pray you'd keep me far, far, far from persuasive speech. Lord, I pray as Paul prayed that this message would be a demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. I'll say words, you preach the message. We thank you and we love you. We come to you now to hear from you. Speak to us. In Christ's name we pray this. Everybody said amen. Did you bring your Bibles with you to church? I sure hope you did. If you have your Bibles with you, turn to Matthew, the wonderful gospel of Matthew, his 26th chapter. Matthew chapter 26. If you have your phones, you can turn those on as well. I'm going to direct you to a specific verse here in just a short while, but Matthew 26 will, will get us there. I'd like to share a message with you that I have entitled, I Choose You. Turn to the next person next to you and say, I choose you. Say, I choose you. Turn to the person behind you and say, oh, I choose you too. I choose you too. I choose you too. This, <laughs> this series, you always know the good laughter sparked up something. This series has been such a joy, man, for me to preach. I hope it's been beneficial to your relationships, whether it's been your marriage or whatever relationship. If you're joining us for the very first time, let me catch you up really fast. I'm going to do it in 30 seconds, my best. Um, week one, we looked at uh, the foundation of relationships. According to Genesis chapter 2, God looked upon man saw that he was alone and said it was not good, so he provided him a helper. Boy, oh boy, isn't that such a great gift we have? Isn't it such a great gift that we get to walk alongside this life with people that can help us along? I know you have a helper in your life. The question is, are you a helper to somebody in their life? The problem is, is you and I live in this fallen, sinful, broken world, don't we? Where things can come into that relationship that can decay and ruin our relationships. So week two, we looked at topic number one. What does criticism do in a relationship? Week three, we looked at topic number two, defensiveness in what it does in a relationship. Last week, we looked at topics three and four, contempt and stonewalling and what that can do in relationships. All uh, pulled from the Gottman Institute, a wonderful institute. This week, I'd like to share a message that has been burning on my heart really for the better part of probably two years now. And I woke up this morning uh, with thanks in my heart that God's now given me an opportunity to share it with you. And I'm going to do just that. This has been on my heart now for two years. And boy, I'm just uh, thrilled to be able to put pen to paper and actually get it out of me. And I think you'll see the burning within me as I, as I share it. At the beginning of this burning, I think uh, I have to uh, bring forth a confession that I think a lot of you will relate with. I hope you do at least, or else I stand up here alone. But I don't think, I think you'll relate with this. The burning for this message really started with this confession. I want to be better. I want to be better. I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better father. I want to be a better pastor. I want to be a better friend. 
and I want to be a better coworker. I want to be better. So what about you? Anybody else want to be better in their life? Maybe husbands, you want to be a better husband. Wives, you want to be a better wife. Father, you want to be a better father. And mother, you want to be a better mother. Friend, you want to be a better friend. Coworker, you want to be a better coworker. Boss, you want to be a better boss. You know, I remember just a short time ago, two years, I think it was now, I was a part of a year-long men's group, wonderful men's group called Joshua's Men. Wonderful time. One of the, one of, one of the very pivotal year of my life makes up Devin today. Upon that year-long uh, group, uh, our first month, we took an a, a overnight retreat, us men. I believe there is eight of us in the room. The evening was geared towards a short time of testimony for each man present and then a short bit of why they're excited to be part of such a long men's group. Um, I remember men sharing all throughout the evening. And to this day, I stand here and I remember in specific what one man shared. Uh, one statement, in fact, upon what the man shared. Uh, he's a friend of mine. His name's Troy Fortin, wonderful man of God. And I remember I sat across the living room from him and he shared a bit of his testimony. And then as he started to share why he was excited for this group, he said these words, my wife deserves better. And I want to give her better. And I remember sitting there, probably slumped down in my chair. And I don't know if I said it out loud. I may have. I don't think I did. But I remember saying it loud up here. I remember wanting to scream across the room, me too. Can anybody else relate with that? Me too. I want to be better. And I want to give the people in my life what they deserve. You know, that statement two years ago and that evening that I'll never forget has led me to chew on this statement, which, what I, which is what I would like to unpack for you this morning. It's going to come up on the screen. When you love God most... You love people the best. Hallelujah. When you love God the most, when all of your time and all of your energy and all of your focus and all of your resources and all of your adoration and your attention is fixated upon the one thing that matters, which is God and God himself, when you love God the most, the second thing comes natural. You're going to love people the best. You know, I think this is what Jesus had in mind when he shared this great command with us in Matthew 22. Look at his words. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. I wonder if you love God that way this morning. Do you love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind? He goes on to say this is the first and greatest commandment. Verse 39, and the second is like it. But keep in mind, it's second. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. You see, I believe that Jesus, like this statement, when you love 
God the most, you love people the best. I feel like Jesus had that in mind when he said, you want to be better for the people around you? Love me and love me alone. Put me first in your life. Make me number one priority. Eat, sleep, and breathe around me. Schedule around me. Talk about me. Pray to me. Think about me. Lay with your eyes closed and talk to me. When you love God the most, you're going to love people the best. Hallelujah. You know, if you're here, and you got breath in your lungs, which you do, or else we'd have a bigger problem on our hands. You all, and myself included, said very, three very powerful words sometime in our life. Okay, maybe you didn't say them exactly like this, but you said these three words, even if thinking up here. At some point in your life, you said, I choose you. Husbands and wives, if you're sitting next to each other in here at some point in your life, you said those three words, didn't you, as you looked upon each other? I choose you. Parents, if you're in the room, when you saw that little baby boy or that little baby girl come forward into this world, and you looked upon that baby and you held him for the very first time, and you didn't know you could love something so much, did you? You didn't know your heart could be captured by something so much, did you? Sure, you probably didn't look upon the baby and say, I choose you. The baby probably would have just stared right back at you. But up here, you said, I choose you, didn't you? You have my commitment. You're going to have my time. You're going to have my energy. And you're going to have my resources. I'm happy to share with you. I'm a new father. I found out that they take all three of those things in spades. My time, my energy, and resources. I went to the store the other day and bought diapers. I had to choose between diapers or chicken for dinner. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I did see, though, side note. Oh, gosh. Okay. How much time I got? All right, side note. One time I went to the uh, a formula section once we were getting Avery off of uh, breastfeeding, and I went to the formula section, and I saw a half-frozen thing of ground beef where somebody had to make that very hard decision. <laughs> formula. <laughs> this is the parent life, you know. I'm going to starve. I've got to feed my baby, you know. You said, I choose you to your spouse. You said, I choose you to your child. Maybe you have a friend. We all have wonderful friends in life, don't we? Where they've been with you on the highs of high and the lows of low. And at some point you deemed them. I choose you. I want to walk through this life with you. I want you by my side. I want to call you at 2 a.m. in the morning when I need somebody. You said, I choose you. And you probably meant it, didn't you? You probably meant it. Yet even though you meant it, can I get anybody to agree with me that from time to time, you still feel like you're letting that person down, don't you? You still feel like you're not doing enough for that person. You still feel like, no matter how much time and how much energy and how much resources I put towards this individual, no matter how much I have, they have my commitment, I still feel like I'm letting them down. I still feel like I'm not giving them the love that they deserve. You know, I wonder if the reason that you and I feel like that, this is just, I'm going to put it on the table and allow you to chew on it. I wonder if the reason that you and I feel like that is you and I have flipped Jesus' command. Look back at Matthew 22. He said, love the Lord God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second 
is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. I wonder if sometimes the reason we're always feeling like we're letting people down, we're never doing enough, never giving them what they deserve, is we flip that commandment and make it sound like this. Love your neighbor with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Then love God as yourself. In other words, you find so much of your identity and so much of your value and you place so much of your time and resources and energy into your earthly relationship with no overflow of the first, a great love for your heavenly father that it leaves you feeling empty, doesn't it? It's never enough. And I want to tell you today, it'll never be enough. Only God's enough. Listen to me now. Only God is enough. You and I, we leave ourselves feeling empty. I wonder if that's you today. Do you feel like you want to be better? Do you feel like you want to give the people in your life the love that they deserve? My friend, I hope you know that you stumbled into the right church this morning. And here's why. I feel like God is calling us forward with a question, a challenging question, a very challenging question. As I wrote this sermon, I sensed the Lord calling people forward with a very challenging question. And here's the question you're going to have to wrestle down by the by time our time is done together this morning. You're going to have to answer God's question. This morning, will you choose me? Maybe you've been choosing other things and placing them above God. God wants to know this morning, will you choose me before you leave church today? And I hope you do, because remember, when you love God the most, you love people the best. Today, I hope you know, you obviously see what's happening on the steps here this morning. Today, somebody here isn't walking out of those doors until they put a stake in the ground and say, my God, my God, I'm not taking another step. I'm not breathing another breath. If it's not all for you, only for you, and you're the number one priority in my life. I hope you came into church today to put a stake in the ground. Did you? Not a good Sunday to be in church, to be a participator or a, a spectator. This is a Sunday to be a participator. God wants to call you forward. Hallelujah. Look at Matthew chapter 26 for me. Matthew 26, verse 36. Such a wonderful scene happening here in Matthew chapter 26. Let me set the scene very quickly for you. The scene is Jesus is just moments away from being arrested. We're at the back end of Matthew's gospel. He's just moments away from being arrested, and he's taken just a few of his disciples into what's known as the Garden of Gethsemane. And uh, here, Jesus is just hours. This hit me this week. Jesus is just hours away from showing the world the greatest love the world has ever seen. What a, what a mind-boggling thing that we get to read that here in Matthew chapter 26. The reason I say show the world the greatest love is because of the words of John 15, 13. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. And this is exactly what Jesus Christ of Nazareth is about to do in just a few short hours. He's about to lay down his life for his friends, you and me. Did you know that you have a friend in Jesus Christ this morning? He's just hours away from doing it here. And here in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's about to make a decision. And I want you to hear and feel that decision being played out. Read in your scriptures with me, starting in verse 36. Again, we're in Matthew 26, verse 36. Here's what the Word of God says. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, uh, a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee 
along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed. I hope you underline that in your scriptures this morning. This is custom for Jesus Christ to get alone, to get apart from people and make it a priority to get on his face before his heavenly father. Boy, I hope you underline that and I hope you and I, we're doing our very best to follow the example of Jesus Christ. I hope you know one of the best ways that he loved people that he walked with was he consistently got alone with his heavenly father and prayed, falling with his face to the ground, petitioning his heavenly father. It's not the only time here in the Garden of Gethsemane it's happened. It says, going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Oh my goodness. I hope when Jesus Christ of Nazareth returns, he doesn't find me sleeping. I don't know about you, but when Jesus Christ of Nazareth comes back, because he's going to come back, I hope he finds me with oil in my lantern on fire for him, ready to go home to my permanent home with him. I hope you're not sleeping when Jesus Christ of Nazareth comes back. Keep your oils lit. He goes back to his disciples and he finds them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed. The third time, saying, the same thing. You know, we often forget and we often preach that Jesus Christ of Nazareth went to the cross for you and me. And did Jesus Christ of Nazareth go to the cross for you and me? Yes, absolutely he did and hallelujah for it. I'm a changed man because of it. He brought me back to life because of it. Brought me out of my dead ways because of it. But that's not the only reason he went to the cross, is it? Jesus Christ of Nazareth also went to the cross out of wholehearted obedience and love for his heavenly Father, didn't he? You see, it was obedience and love to God that drove him to the cross. It was his love for you and me that kept him there. Hallelujah. What a wonderful thing it is. And today you can be different because of it. I hope you know that. Jesus Christ right here in the Garden of Gethsemane is having an absolute inner battle. And yet three times he prays, if it's your will, let this cup pass from me. But then what does he say? Yet my, not my will, but yours be done. You know what he's saying there? Take this cup from me. But at the end of the day, I choose you. Hallelujah. I wonder if you would say that about God. Did you know how much you benefited from Jesus saying those words in the Garden of Gethsemane, putting the stake in the ground? You see, Jesus knew that the best way to love me and you was to endure what he had to endure. And you and I benefit more than we could ever know, don't we? 
from Jesus Christ, choosing to be obedient unto God and saying, I choose you. Likewise, did you know that people in your life are going to benefit from you choosing to make God the number one priority in your life? Oh, I hope you hear that today. Far above anything else in your life, people are going to benefit when you make God the number one decision in your life. And today, I pray that you do. And I pray you say those same words that Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane. I choose you. Why? Because when you love God the most, you're going to love people the best. And if you came into church wanting to be better, wanting to give people what they deserve, look no further than the feet of Jesus Christ. Listen to me now. Look no further than the feet of Jesus Christ. And today I want to encourage you. Here are two things, two reasons why you should choose God today before you walk out of those doors. Number one, only God can change our heart. Can I get somebody to agree with me with a good amen? Our hearts need changing. Our hearts need changing. Jeremiah would agree with that, wouldn't he? When he said our hearts are so incredibly wicked, who could even understand them? Sometimes I don't even understand the things that I feel within my heart. You know, as I sat there on that evening with Troy Fortin and a group of men, I didn't know the miracle that was taking place before my eyes, did I? Maybe you did as I shared the story. I didn't. You know, I didn't know the miracle that it was seeing a grown man, a grown man, bawling in his chair because he wanted to love his, lot, his wife in a better way. I didn't know how much of a miracle that was. Watching a man weep, saying, I'm not who I want to be, but I'm desiring to be better. Yeah, I didn't know it. But looking back, I recognized, my God, my God, that was a miracle in front of me. I saw a dead man be touched by the, by the finger of God. I saw it right in front of me. Let me prove it to you. Here's what, what's happened. What happens when our hearts aren't touched by God. 2 Timothy 3.2, people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, and unholy. Parents, I hope if you have a disobedient kid, there's your prayer right there. My God, touch their heart. <laughs> Change their heart. Only God can do it. And I want to tell you today, he wants to do it for you. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I want God to touch my heart the same way that he touched Troy Fortin's heart. I want to live my life broken the way Troy Fortin was broken, desiring to love people in a better way, desiring to give people the love that they deserve, the respect that they deserve, the attention that they deserve. Here's the thing I know about being touched by God. It doesn't happen unless you get alone with him. It won't happen. If he's not your number one priority and you're not scheduling time to get alone with God, you know what a broken man or woman, how they come out of a bro how they get broken? They come out of prayer. Oh, I've seen some broken people come out of prayer. Hallelujah. I've seen some people weep on their face and come up. You can tell in their eyes, not an ounce of pride within them, not an ounce of ego within them. I've seen people broken by prayer. It doesn't happen unless you get alone by God. Here's a devonism for you. I don't know. Take it for what you may. This isn't the gospel, but I thought it was pretty true and funny as I wrote it. You can't expect to be fixed by a doctor you don't make an appointment with. Listen to me now. Our hearts need to be fixed. You want to be better? You want to love better? Your heart has to be fixed. It can only be fixed by our Heavenly Father.
And he wants to do that for you. I want to sit in the presence of God and say, my God, my God, break me and mold me. Mold me and break me. Go to work on me. I need a passion for you. You know how many people I talk to that don't pray for that? Huh? Talk to so many people how sad it is. I'm not on fire for God. When's the last time you asked God to place a supernatural fire within you? When's the last time you asked for it? Hallelujah. He'll do it for you. How do I know that? One time I prayed, one of the most dangerous prayers I ever prayed, my God, my God, I don't want to sleep until I feel fulfilled by you. He kept me up for three nights. I'm not kidding you. I don't stand as a man that lies before you. I remember I was living in Holland, and I remember I prayed that prayer. My God, I feel purposeless. I, feel, I don't feel driven. I don't feel inspired. And I said, I need a passion for you. This preacher keeps on telling me that I should chase after you. I'm not motivated to chase after you. I guess place a hunger within me. I couldn't lay and close my eyes without getting up and getting onto my knees. God will place a fire within you, a passion within you to chase him and him alone. And I hope you allow him to do that, and he will do that when you choose him. And I hope you do today, because when you love God the most, you love people the best. Number two, everyone benefits from your relationship with God. Simple, isn't it? Everybody. Everybody benefits when you make God the number one priority in your life. You know, you and I, we spend so much time, don't we, on things that only benefit us. I feel like our world has convinced us on this. Work on you, 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 you. You know, we put so much time and energy into diets, don't we? How's that going a month later? We put so much time into workout routines. We put so much time into self-help books and resources. All fantastic things. All fantastic things. And do they benefit other people? Sure, you getting healthy and you improving upon yourself benefits other people, but I stand before you as a man that tells you nobody will benefit as much as you making God number one priority in your life. Nobody. There will be nothing in your life that will benefit your other people. Chris Conrad, the district superintendent, for the Westing denomination, I had the opportunity to sit with him one day, and he said something that I'll remember for the rest of my life. He said, Devin, you know what the best thing you can bring to your leadership is? In intimacy with Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I remember sitting there before Chris, immature young man, saying, wait a minute, far above my gifts and far above my talents, and far above my experiences, you're telling me my walk with Jesus Christ will improve upon my leadership? I'll tell you as I stand before you as your pastor, the best thing that I can bring to this church is a passionate, intimate walk with Jesus Christ. And the same goes for you. The very best thing you can bring into your marriage is an intimacy with Jesus Christ. The very best thing you can bring into your parenting is an intimacy with Jesus Christ. It will benefit people more than you can absolutely ever imagine. Do other resources help? Absolutely. But as long as God wakes me up in the morning, gives me a car to get here on a Sunday, gives me breath in my lungs and a mic in my hand, he doesn't even have to turn it on, and I'll still preach to you. As long as I have breath in my lungs, and this is the stage that I preach upon, I will tell you to go nowhere else other than the feet of Jesus Christ, because there will be a day that I have to stand before the throne of God and give an account for what I tell you. And I want to stand before you as, as I don't want to stand before God and tell God, God, I did everything I could to push people to your feet. I did everything I could. Why? It changed my life. 
It changed me. And I did nothing else outside of finally giving up and saying, God, I choose you before I choose anything else in my life. I was a dead sinner, and he brought me back to life, and I praise God for it. And this morning, I hope you know he wants to do the exact same thing for you. The question is, will you answer the question, I choose you. When you love God the most, you love others the best. I want to take this opportunity to tie this series together, if you would allow me. This series, we've looked at the things that have come into our relationships, that have the power to decay our relationships, and now I'd like to tell you how we combat those things. How do we com uh, com combat criticism, defensiveness, contempt, and stonewalling? My simple yet so complex and profound answer to you would be you combat criticism, defensiveness, contempt, and stonewalling with a wholehearted, passionate, living, active, breathing relationship with the one who matters the most. The type of relationship that you, like Jesus, get alone. And you say, my God, my God, I need to be fixed. I need you to touch my heart like you touched Troy's. You did it for him. God, will you do it for me? I want to be broken. I want to be molded. I want a passionate, burning, intimate relationship with you. My friends, I want to tell you that God will do that today. The question is, is are you willing to choose him? Today, what I've done here is up front, you have these. Just little stakes, just kind of a goofy little thing that I think will be very powerful in your life. If you're in the room and you say, Devin, that's exactly me. I have been choosing other things over my relationship with God, my job, my marriage, my parenting, everything else in my life I've placed above God. And today I want to put a stake in the ground and I don't want to leave this church without telling God I choose you. What I'm going to encourage you to do is we're going to go into a worship song and I've provided you these. And what I'm going to ask you to do is just simply write on them, I choose you. With the date, 710 of 22, the reason I got these is I thought they were kind of just a cool thing. If you want to use them as a Bible marker, every time you look on it, you're going to remember the decision that you made today. Maybe you can put it on your desk at work. You can put it on the dash of your car just as a reminder that one day that crazy pastor was yelling at me for 35 minutes and I decided to make God the first and foremost thing in my life. And I hope you remember that for the rest of your life during worship. You're going to have an opportunity. It'll be a nice song. Take your time. Come up. There are Sharpies here. You can just write on one. I wrote on mine at the 9 a.m. Come forward. I believe this is for all of us. Don't leave today without answering the question that God is asking you. Will you choose me? Answer it back today by saying, I choose you. Would you stand with me as we pray? Well, Father, we're here now. We do believe that this question penetrates the room. And now we're at decision time. And today, Father, I ask this morning for anybody that has a stirring within their soul, would you get them forward? And when they do, I pray that you would speak to them. Lord, I know that this is the greatest decision we could ever do. Why? Because our hearts are changed when we make you the first and foremost thing in our life. 
we know that everybody benefits today moving forward when we make you the first thing in our life. Father, today, for those that come forward, I ask for that burning passion to be placed within them. I ask that you wouldn't let them leave these doors, my God, without your love, your grace, and your mercy burning within them. We give you thanks now as we worship you. We ask all of this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen.